Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's where we're going to start. We're going to go to some different places today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As you know, we just finished 2 Thessalonians, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to start Matthew, which is going to be incredible. And as you know, we go verse by verse, passage by passage, so it'll be a great study. But this morning's a little bit different. We're going to look at the subject, the subject of holiness. And in Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, without holiness, no one will see God. We're not even sure exactly what that means. What is holiness? How are we believers to live holy lives? When we think of our lives, there's so many areas that are important. We think about our families and our relationships and our work and our church and our activities, but there's one area that really is probably the most important, and that's our relationship with God. We want to please Him. We want to do what He wants us to do, but what does God want us to do? What does He expect? Well, we're going to see in our passages this morning that He wants us to be holy. We are God's children. He wants his children to be pure, to be set apart for service. So there are two questions and two things we're going to look at this morning very briefly is why should we be holy? We're going to look at three reasons. And then we're going to look at how can we be holy? And we're going to look at three things there as well. Now, before we get into it, I want to remind you of something. We're talking to Christians when we talk about living holy lives. Salvation is a gift and it's not, it doesn't deal with your lifestyle and how good you are, how bad you are. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for sin and rise again. And whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. My prayer is that every one of us in this room, that you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you haven't, right where you're sitting right now, you can put your faith in him that he will give you eternal life. The message we're talking about this morning is about we as believers, that we have trusted in Christ and we're supposed to be holy men and women. That's the plan. And so how do we live this out? What do we do? And so as God's children, what does he expect of us? And we'll see it as we go through this morning. You know, there are a lot of what we call key times in people's lives. You think about it, your birth, and then when you walk and you talk and you go to school and you become a teenager and then you get a driver's license and then you go off to college and then you graduate and then you get a job and then you get married and then you have children. I mean, there's just so many things. And when we think about our lives and all the things that are involved, God has a plan. He has a plan for our life, and here's what it is. It's to glorify God. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. He actually says that we're to glorify God in our lives. This is the plan. This is what we're supposed to do. We're called children of God. We also call something else, because sometimes I'll say, what are we called in the Bible? And they'll say, we're called God's children, we're called this, we're called this. One of the things we're called is saints. Now, that confuses some people, because historically, a lot of people think the word saint means a set up, you know, some believer that's better than everybody else, and so they say, oh, they're a saint, or they've been made a saint or something. What you understand is that every believer is called a saint in the Bible. By, by, Paul will write a letter, and he'll say, to the saints of a particular church. And the word saint means set apart one. It actually means holy ones. We are called holy ones. So you realize that every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior, not only you're a child of God, but you're called a saint, a set apart one in Jesus Christ. Now I want you to understand being a saint, being set apart is two ways. There's a positional aspect. I mentioned it a while ago, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, you are set apart in Christ. He gives you his righteousness, and you are positionally holy and righteous as God. In fact, Romans 4, 5 says, to those who do not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. That means when you believe in Jesus, God gives you his righteousness. 
2 Corinthians says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We're new people in Christ. So positionally, we're holy. So some, one day in Sunday school, I asked the question, how many of us in this room are perfectly righteous and holy? And nobody wanted to raise their hand. But I said, look, every one of us who know Christ as Savior, you are perfectly righteous, holy. That's your position in Jesus Christ. But there's a second part, and that's experiential our experience. We live the Christian life. We're fallen people. We live in a fallen world. We're growing to be more and more like Christ. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And what we want to be is to be holy. What we want to do is try to live out who we are. That's why the Bible says, walk worthy of our calling. Our calling is that we are saints. We are holy men and women set apart in Christ. We are to live out and be holy men and women in Jesus Christ. So the focus of our study today is just going to be dealing with our experiential holiness. And, and, uh, and, and you remember that the next event is Jesus Christ coming in the clouds. We call that the rapture. That's an amazing event. It could happen. And it could happen any second. The dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the Lord. That's First Thessalonians. That's First Thessalonians 4 is where I actually told you to turn. We're going to look at a different verse in a second. But as we await Jesus Christ to come back, what do we do? Well, we know what's expected. We to live holy. We who have trusted in Christ. I want you to look at this verse right here. First Thessalonians chapter 4. That's why I told you to turn there. Look at verse 7. It says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, that means unholy, but in sanctification, that means holiness. So what we realize is that God hasn't called us into a relationship with himself and that we're his children and we're children of God and we're in Christ and all of that. He says he's not called us for the purpose of impurity. The word impurity there means it's sinful. He says he's not called us to be sinful, but to live in, but in sanctification. And, and sanctification is the idea of being set apart. That's what that word means. So what he actually says to us is, as a child of God, we're not called to live sinful lives. We're called to live holy lives. Now, every one of us in this room would say, well, we know that, but we're not very good at it, right? I mean, the truth is, we say, yeah, we know that. We know that, that God said we're supposed to live righteously and godly in a present world. But we don't always do very well. And so the goal that we want to look at this morning is really two things. I want you to see, why? Why are we to be holy? Why does God want us to be holy? And then second, how are we to be holy? How can this work? So let's start. How, how in the world, of why, of why are we to be holy? Well, here's the first answer, and is that God commands it. Let's look at the verses that we read earlier, and that's the, the first Peter chapter four. So just turn over in your Bible from First Thessalonians. If you, when you get to the book of Hebrew, Hebrews, and then there's the book of James, and then there's First Peter. If you get to Second Peter and John, First John, Second Third, you've gone too far. So it's First Peter chapter one, and we want to look at verses fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. Because the first thing we realize, why should we be holy? Because God said, I want you to be holy men and women. That's not easy. What does he say? Be holy. So let, let's look at what he says. First Peter chapter 4 verses 14, 15, and 16. First Peter 4 verse, uh, excuse me, 1 verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Now that's a kind of a hard thing. He starts off by saying as obedient children. So we're supposed to be obedient children. We know we're children of God. 
Now, obedient children, that's kind of big. You know, when you see little ones, and I see Riley and, and, and you know, my granddaughter and grandson and the others, and I see kids all the time. We want them to be obedient. We want to say, oh, go sit down, and, and they're supposed to go do whatever you tell them to do, right? But we know that they don't, they're not always obedient. Well, what does God say to us? He's our Heavenly Father, and we're His child, and as He says, as obedient children. And the truth is, sometimes we're not obedient. But he says, as obedient children, here's the plan. Do not be conformed, shaped to the former lust which were yours in ignorance. The, the word lust there means desires. He's saying, don't live out the desires you used to live out as an unbeliever. Now, some of you trusted Christ when you were very young. Some of you trusted Christ when you are older. But the bottom line is, there is the lust of the flesh. We saw it when we did our study on temptation. And there is a pull inside of us. And he says, listen, as as obedient children of God, don't live a sinful life. Don't live according to the lust of the flesh, because it's there. It's there all the time. It says that the world wants to shape us. Notice what it says. Do not be conformed, shaped to the former way we used to live. And then he says something amazing. He says, be like the one who called you. Verse 15, but like the Holy One who called you. Who is the Holy One? The Holy One is God. The Holy One is Jesus. But be like the Holy One who called you. Be like Jesus who called you into relationship. Be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Now, Jesus Christ is perfectly righteous and holy. And when Peter writes this, he says, you be like the one who saved you, the one who called you, the one, be holy like him. And we go, wow, I'm supposed to be like Christ? Yeah, yeah, we are, yeah. In fact, that, isn't that the plan? To be conformed to the image of Christ? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. He says, when I live, I try to live like Christ. I mean, the bottom line is you and I are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We're to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And so the plan is for us to be like Christ. In fact, so when people see us in this world, they see little Christ. Christian means little Christ. It has the idea of being like Christ or following Christ or connected with Christ or reflecting Christ. So if you say, I'm a Christian, what you're saying is, I'm supposed to be a little Christ. I'm supposed to be like him. I'm supposed to be one of him. And so Peter says, as obedient children, don't live like you used to live, but like the Holy One who called you, like God and Jesus who called you, in yourselves be holy in all your behavior. And we go, wow, that's amazing. Be holy. And then he says, why? Because it is written. And he's quoting from Leviticus, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God told the nation of Israel when they came out of Egypt that you're to be holy people because I'm holy, and I'm your God, and you're to reflect my, uh, who I am. And the same thing for us. We belong to Jesus Christ, the perfect, righteous, holy one, and he says to us, we are to live out who we are. So the first reason that we live holy lives is because God commands us to live holy lives. There's a second thing, and that is, it's God's purpose for our life. This God's plan for our life. If you can, go back to 1 Thessalonians, where we were a while ago, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and this passage has always uh, really been amazing. When you think about this passage, look what it says, because it's so contrary to our culture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, this is the will of God, this is his plan, your sanctification. That means you're being set apart. That means your holiness. This is the will of God for your life 
is your holiness. If you came into me and said, I'd like to know God's will for my life, I can, I can tell you God's will for your life. In fact, in Sunday school or in our grow groups coming up in about two weeks, we're going to be looking at knowing God's will. And I, I guarantee you, I can tell you God's will for your life. There are at least five places in the New Testament where he says, this is God's will for your life. This is one of them. So what is God's will for your life? What is God's plan for your life? Notice what it says. For this is the will of God. This is God's will. Your sanctification. It means being set apart. It is your holiness. That's God's plan. And then he goes on. To, then he really gets specific. He says that is you abstain from sexual immorality. He's writing to the Thessalonians. He says God's plan is that you'd be a holy person, especially in the area of sexual Immorality, And then he goes on to say that each one of you would know how to possess your own vessel, your vessel is your body, in sanctification and in honor. He says, know how to control your body, control yourself. And that's, that is, in our culture, our culture says, don't control yourself. Do whatever you want to do. There aren't any right, really, rules. I mean, people say, oh, what's right for you is right for you, and what's right for me is right for me. No, the Bible says there are certain things right and wrong. And he says, listen, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, you abstain from sexual immorality and let each one know how to possess their own vessel in sanctification and in honor. Right? In holiness and in honor. So the second reason that we are to be holy people is because it's God's plan for our lives. That's what he wants us to do. We're to control our lives so that we can be holy people. Now, let me tell you, that is really hard in a fallen world. But you know what's so amazing? You go throughout history, and people will say, okay, yeah, look at the world. It's so bad. So what we'll do is we'll be like hermits, or we'll be like these monks, and we'll get completely off by ourselves, and we'll, we'll be by ourselves, and we'll take a vow of silence, and we'll be by ourselves, and they still sin. We're going to talk about how in the world can we be holy in just a minute. But it's God's plan for our life. No matter where we are or what we're doing, it's God's plan. We must control ourselves. Uh, we're going to mention some classes in just a minute that we'll have at SBI, but one of them, uh, Adam Barnes is going to teach a class, and it's dealing with Romans chapter 6, which is that we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. That's one of the ways that we can live out this, that we can be a holy person. We'll see that in that class. There's the third reason, and that is we are testimony. Why should we be holy? Because we're testimony to the world. Philippians chapter 2 says we shine as lights. It says, do all things without grumbling and complaining so you may prove yourself to be innocent and blameless children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights in this world. Do you understand when you walk out these doors? Now, in here we're all loving and having fun and everything. Then we walk out into a fallen world and in reality, it's a dark world. It's a fallen world. It's evil world. It is. But we're to shine as the lights that when people see us, they go, they're different. They shine. They, they point away. They, they're, they're different people. And this is why we're to live holy lives, because we're to shine in the fallen world. Let me read this to you. I love the, the verse. I just quoted it, but the, the verse is so good in Philippians. It says, do all things without grumbling and complaining, that you would prove yourself blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse world in which you appear as lights. Let your light shine. 
Let your light shine. The reason God says, I want you to be holy people, is that when you go into a fallen world, you light it up. They see something that they haven't seen before. You are the light of this world. In in, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13, 14, 15, 16, this is the one who says, we're salt and light of the world. But I love it where he says, we're the lights of the world, and the light on a hill is not supposed to be hidden. And he says, let your light shine in such a way they will see your good works in your life and they will glorify God. Unbelieving people can glorify God when they see a righteous life. That's who we are. Wow. I mean, that's that's powerful. So we're to live in a fallen world righteously and godly. So why in the world should we be holy? Well, because God commands it and it's God's plan for our lives and we're a testimony. Now, when you think about, does it matter? Now, let me tell you, things are a little different, but if you go back to the first century, I don't know if you remember this, but you go back to the first century, you go back right after the church was formed. You remember Jesus uh, died on the cross, paid for sin, walked on the earth for 40 days, ascended to heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came down. This is Acts chapter uh, 2, and, 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 and the church was formed, and there was this body of believers, and they were telling people, and they were living a certain way. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I read, that little letter, uh, that writing but from that, that guy in the second century, talking about what Christians were actually like. It was pretty amazing. But in the first century church, there was a holiness that, I'm going to say it in a nice way, that we don't have now. And if you remember, there was, a, there was a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And they, they had some land. And they saw a guy sell land and give it to the church, and everybody honored him. And so they sold their land, but they gave part of it to the church, which was okay. But they told that they gave all of it. Now, listen, you, you can give anything you want to. But in the first century, when they gave, instead of saying, we sold the land and we're giving part of the portion to the church, they said, we sold our land and we're giving it all to the church, and they lied. And when he went in there and he lied, the Holy Spirit came to Peter, and Peter said, Why have you lied to God? And you know what happened to him? Did anybody know what happened to him? He died. He died right there. And everybody went, Whew, lying is tougher than we thought it was. We don't lie. And so they took him out, and his wife came in three hours later. And she didn't know that he had died. And they asked her, Did you and your husband decide to give sell the land and give all the money there? And she said, oh yeah, that's what we did. We gave all the money. And Peter said, you've lied just like your husband and you're going to meet the same fate she died. Took him out. Now, was holiness pretty strong in those days? Uh, What about right now? How many of us lied yesterday over anything? Were you speeding? No, officer, I was not speeding. Right? Holiness, God considers holiness fairly serious. So how can we be holy? How can we be holy? Well, we're going to look at three things. We're going to see it's a decision we make, it's an attitude that we have, and it's a power that we possess. Let's talk about, first of all, is a decision that we make. Most of you know Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies living and holy sacrifices to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The first way that you're going to be a holy person is you say to God, I want you to take my life and I want you to use me for your glory. 
Now, that's, some people get called confused and they say, give your life to Jesus to be saved. They're so confused. Look, salvation is not you agreeing to serve God or live for him. Salvation is trusting in Christ to give you eternal life. But as a child of God, you can say to him, Lord, I want my life to count for you. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I don't want to be shaped by this world. I don't want to be pulled by the lust of my flesh. I don't want to live like I used to live. I want to live a godly life for you. And so we make a decision. Make a decision. Listen, I trusted Christ when I was 19 years old while I was in college at Delta State. And it wasn't until I was 25 years old that I made the decision to live for him. I trusted him, and the moment I trusted him, I had eternal life, and I was saved and saved forever. When I was 25, 26, I came to a point in my life, and I actually said to him, God, I want you to take my life. And from this point on, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I want my life to count for you. That's a decision. And when you make that decision, you're not saying, and yet I want to live a sinful life. What you're saying is, I want my life to count for you, and I want to live a holy godly life. And so for us in this room, you want to be, you want to be holy? You want to live righteously and godly for our Savior? Then you make a decision that you want your life to count for Him. And here's the bottom line. If we're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, we'll unconsciously be conformed to this world. We have to say, Lord, take my life. I want to not be conformed to the world. I want to be transformed by the Word of God. So it's a decision you make. If you have never made that decision, now we're not talking about salvation, remember. Salvation is a gift. It cost us nothing. This costs you your life. This is a discipleship decision. This is a holiness decision. This is a decision in which you say, God, I give you my life in service. I want my life to count for you. If you've never made the decision, it's, you need to make that if you want to be a holy person, if you want to make an impact for Christ. There's a second thing. It's an attitude. An attitude we have. And it's not an attitude that says, ooh, I'm going to be holy. It's an attitude that says, I'm looking for the return of Jesus Christ and he could come back any second. We look to the eternal rather than the temporal. We live looking for Jesus Christ's return. And let me, let me just say something to you. If you thought Jesus Christ could come back right now, would you sin? Would you do something wrong right now so that you thought, boy, when he comes in the clouds, I'm going to be right in the middle of sinning? Answer would be, no, you wouldn't. I want to read something to you. This is in First, first John. And this is First John chapter 3. He says, Beloved, we are the children of God. And it does not yet appear as what we're going to be like. But we know when he comes, we'll be like him. And everyone who has this hope that he's coming, fixed on him, purifies himself, just as he is pure. If you knew he could come, let me ask you something. If you knew he was coming this afternoon at 2 o'clock, would you be sinning at 2 o'clock? Would you be doing something you know is wrong if you knew he was coming at 2 o'clock? Would you at 2 o'clock be saying, I'm going to be sinning right when he comes? No. And the attitude is he could come at any second. And John says that people who are looking for his appearing are living a pure life. He says, we will be like him when he comes, and whoever has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. Looking for the blessed hope. And Titus 2 says we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. How would, you, how would we live if we knew that Christ would be here today? How would you live? I mean, when we sin, we think we cover it up. We think nobody knows. Nobody knows. And, and this is just last time anyway. And nobody will know. And nothing's going to happen. And... and 
maybe Jesus probably isn't even watching. That's what we think. What if you thought he could come any second? What if you had the attitude that we're supposed to have that we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ? Wow. Well, finally, it's a power we possess. See, not only is it this attitude and not only is it offering our lives, but it's a power. We have the power of God living in us. It's the Holy Spirit. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is in us. We're to live righteously and godly. We're to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16. We're to be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18. The way that we can live holy lives is we take the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, God living in us, and living out our Christian lives in His power. We live our lives in His power. You cannot live a holy life in our power. In fact, you remember this? Apart, apart from Christ, we can do nothing, but in Christ, we can do all things. So how do we live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me just remind you of this. When you wake up in the morning, you confess any sin that you can think of, and you say to the Lord, Lord, I just want to live in your power, and I want to live for your glory. You're walking in the Spirit. Live by the Scripture the best you can. Anything that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, remember the passages as you study, as you read. Live out who you are in God's power. And if you were to sin, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And you're right back in the fellowship with Him and living in His power. That's what you do. That's how we do it. So how can we be holy? It's a decision we make, offer our lives. It's an attitude we have, looking for His coming. He could come at any second, and it's a power we possess, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've seen the charge to be holy, and we've seen why, and we've seen how. So let me give you some applications. The first one, let's be holy, men and women of God. Why? Why should we be holy? Because this is what He commands. He's told us, you shall be holy because I'm holy. He wants us to be that. There's this plan for our lives. This is the will of God. Your holiness, your sanctification, and where to be lights in a fallen world. So ask yourself this question. Why should you be holy? God said be holy. That's his plan for your life. We're to be lights in a fallen world. Make a decision. Make a decision. In fact, that's where we come to this. How do we do it? Let our lives count for Christ. Offer ourselves. Say, God, take my life. I want to be used by you, for you. And we look for the Lord to come in any second. And let me tell you, if you thought he was coming right now, you wouldn't do anything wrong. And then walk in the Spirit, God's power. Maybe be men and women of God, living holy, pleasing lives for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ.